We have about ten minutes for questions, yeah? So, are there roving mics, or do people have to... Right, there are roving mics. So, and there are hands already appearing, so let's try and pack as many questions as we can into the next ten minutes. I'll start at the back, and then I'll go to the back there. So we'll take those two first, okay? Um. Hello, my name's John Bangs from Surrey County Council. I, w I wonder if I might uh, ask Vera a question. Um, Minister, that was a very in informative and encouraging address. Um, the concept of associative discrimination is a bit obtuse, probably. It's, I mean, I think we've all got, got, got it, otherwise we wouldn't have come today. But it's really how do we together popularise that. And I just wonder given the co particularly the complications of a general election, how, how this can best be addressed. Uh, it's certainly, I wonder if you would agree that um, accompanying regulation, which is normal for, for, for an act, would be a good opportunity to actually popularise some of the helpful suggestions that you made. And I, I just wonder what um, plans the government um, had for making sure that what you were saying about how care is actually woven throughout when you think about it how that can be how we can help all the, those stakeholders you identify understand that so it doesn't get overlooked okay thank you and we'll take the second one and then we'll take two yes uh, christine Riley. i'm from dudley council and i'd like to ask when the equality bill becomes law will we be able to make a case against the government specifically the department of work and pensions for the inherent uh, discrimination, discriminatory nature of carers' allowance, which remains the lowest of all the income replacement benefits. No loaded questions then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Indirect uh, associative discrimination. Uh, and then cases against the government. I don't know whether you'd be able to bring an action in discrimination against the carers' al allowance. There are all manner of complexities, aren't there, in bringing actions under benefits uh, legislation. We've just had um, a kind of almost interesting example of that about trying to scrap the default retirement age. You know, sometimes you can justify um, structures inherent in the uh, in the way we deliver benefits but uh, I, I don't know but what I was really saying is that the only way you can kind of countenance the possibility of bringing an action in discrimination against the government for the benefit is through this association um, this new uh, association otherwise you wouldn't have a right to talk about discrimination again so that's what links the two questions is what um, I'd already said and, you know, by all means, have a go if uh, Carers UK think that they, they can. Collection uh, if, that's the right, uh, if that's the right way forward. I have never myself, I mean, I'm not an expert in benefits, but uh, they're not good. You're not well paid. Um, how to publicise the fact that you've now got this new right? I mean, I think Carers UK itself will do a lot. To, to do that you've got of course the right audience or your membership are the right target people but we will um, be producing regulation insofar as it's necessary under the bill we've tried to make the bill itself unusually accessible and I hope that after this if it works we can make more bills accessible it is what we call a plain English bill it has on one side the necessary legalese and it has on the other side of the page explanatory notes as to what each of the clauses means because we do intend it not to be 
for lawyers only, but so people can actually look at it um, and see what it means. Secondly, we've produced an easy-read version, which is designed for people with limited literacy or with perhaps with learning difficulties, which has a lot of good pictures and ways of illustrating uh, the way the bill will work in itself. And I have to tell you that that's the one that all the MPs read, <laughs> and most journalists. And it is a very, very good small piece of work. You know, it is, it is not you know, intended to be the slightest bit patronising to anybody in the public sector. But, you know, reading a bill is a daunting prospect and this kind of comic book thing is just brilliant and you will gather that I've used it myself very considerably. But the, uh, the, next, the next sort of key component is the uh, Equalities and Human Rights Commission, which has a budget of £70 million. Most of the Government Equalities Office's budget and its primary role over the next few years is going to be to promote this bill, to promote the rights, to send out guidance, to make sure that explanation is absolutely everywhere where it's needed. So I, I hope that by that, those combinations coming down from us and, as it were, up from you will mean that your community will get to know all it needs to know about its new rights. Okay, and will the regulator build in associative discrimination into how it looks at services. Sorry, frogging my throat. We'll certainly be looking at um, the rights of carers and the para, the para <coughs> rights of carers. I mean, the, the, um, the, the unit that is a, an individual and a carer or a family and a carer and an individual is going to be the heartland of the regulatory <coughs> process. So in looking at provision of services, we'll be expecting providers to... Um, to understand what the rights of carers are and we'll be expecting commissioners to be able to demonstrate that they understand what the rights of carers are and that they're doing something about them because it's not just understanding them it's not just the process it's actually that it's delivering on the ground okay okay Luke, do you want to make any comment on this or? no no okay so let's take some more right in little table just behind you over there lady with the black scarf and then i'll come here Thank you. Does that mean that the government will uh, reissue the regulation standards to providers that CQC um, are, have to work within, which actually um, have forgotten about carers? Okay, and we'll take... And could you say who you were? I'm Janice Clark. I'm a carer from Action for Carers, sorry. Jane Hurst, Essex County Council. I guess mine is related to that. I think it's probably around aspiration and reality, really, versus reality, um, to Baroness Young. I guess I'm wondering how able the CQC is going to be able to actually stand its ground on its very admirable intentions to embed and uphold the carers in the whole process and activity of what you're doing. And I think that is of immense value. But how able is it going to be able to hold that when there's not, doesn't seem to be, on what I've heard this morning, a really robust, explicit legal entitlement or right for carers? And I think the word incidental was used in the last, the last uh, presentation. Mm. In a time where there's going to be demographic and fiscal pressures um, of an absolute immense nature. Okay. So specific issue about the regulatory framework and... Uh, there's a gap between aspiration and reality and how to hold the ground. They're both coming your way, Barbara. Um, on the regulations, um, I think it, the government issued the regulations in line with the legislation 
and um, I think all of us would now recognise that they hadn't really taken account of the carers' issues in the specific way the regulations were drafted. We're hoping in the way in which we're implementing them to build more of carers' issues in and certainly in the way that we'll be putting them into practice on the ground. We're very, very conscious of the need for many of the deliverables that are within the guidance to be interpreted in terms of carers because they simply don't deliver. I mean, there's several outcomes that it would be impossible for either a commissioner or a provider to deliver uh, without having taken carers into into the heart of, of what they're deciding in the same way as they've got to take users into the heart of what they're deciding. So um, I hope we can do our bit, but I would suggest that Cares UK and others need to go and knock on the door of the department. Um, give us a little while to get the first lot in, because mm. it's a pretty tall order, I tell you, um, before you get them changed again. But, you know, we're, we're not stuck in concrete. And um, on, your, on the second point that was raised, I mean, I think it's germane to this anyway, the reality aspiration thing, I'm very conscious of that because it is dead easy for a new regulator to go around promising all sorts and some of them are more difficult to deliver than others. But, uh, you know, we are absolutely uh, clear about our commitment and are absolutely clear about the pressures and only you'll be able to judge whether we've been able to stand our ground or not. I mean, we're fully intending to stand our ground. Standing our ground is something we're quite good at. Um, but the, the reality... Um, will only emerge over time. And, and we're very, very conscious of some of the pressures, particularly the financial pressures at the moment, that um, will detract, you know, distract other people from issues within the delivery and commissioning uh, process. The fact that it's not a legal requirement, I don't think, worries us, because the reality is the compliance guidance which we publish is a legal requirement. And we can make it up as we want to. I mean, we've got to publish it and we've got to consult on it. But if it's not tough enough yet, once we start implementing it, we'll need to revisit it and make it tougher and more explicit. So um, I think we can do something to establish in the guidance uh, the need for the, our judgments to be informed by how effective people are being in involving and engaging uh, users and carers and taking account of carers' rights. Um, and if that doesn't work, we'll go back and redo the guidance <coughs> to make it far more explicit. One of the um, issues that your predecessor identified, did she with some knowledge, <laughs> was that um, local authorities were very good at providing services to support carers in their caring role. But the big gap was services to support carers to go back into employment mm. and to sustain their citizenship rights and responsibilities. Um, and I haven't been tracking you very closely, Bob, because there's nothing worse than an ex-chair looking Don't over the Don't believe a word of it. <laughs> shoulder. But it would just be interesting to know uh, how the services to assist carers <laughs> to be citizens in their own right which was part of the equalities legislation, might be monitored. And if it's not you, as a member of the Audit Commission, I might go back and prompt them. I mean, I think there is, I think there is an issue there, Denise, for the Audit Commission and for the Comprehensive Area Assessment Process. Because it does seem to me that if the Comprehensive Area Assessment Process, which is looking at how 
um, all sorts of services join up and create these linkages that actually reinforce. And I think the employment of issues and carers mm. is an absolute fundamental one of those. You know, if people have got employment issues that are not being effectively dealt with, it, it impacts on their care and caring responsibilities, it impacts on the users, it impacts on the quality of service. But the comprehensive area assessment, which Denise and the Audit Commission um, lead, um, so I'm passing the baton swiftly no, back. We might ask you to do it. <laughs> um, is, um, is, yeah, embryonic at the moment. I mean, it's about to report at the beginning of December. It's its first year. I suspect, that, you know, this has been a learning year, and so we'll see what emerges. Okay, let's take a couple more. Over there. And then I'll go right to the back there, and then we'll have to break for coffee. Paul Mansfield from the uh, East Midlands. It's a question really about this uh, socio-economic inequality duty. Um, one of the things which I hear sometimes from frontline staff, which I think is quite intriguing, is that they say that their local authority or their PCT only understands socio-economic inequality in relation to particular geographical spaces. In other words, they're saying that in our town or our city, it's understood that what you should do is you should put all your services into the three most deprived wards. Now, of course, carers as a community are not spatially concentrated in quite that way, although there might be proportionately more of them in those deprived wards. And I just wondered how, um, if um, public bodies keep using this sort of spatial definition of economic inequality, how that's going to be able to be applied to the whole carer community, which might be much more dispersed. Okay, and at the back there. Hello, uh, Neil Howard from Norfolk County Council. Um, two parts, really. Um, I was wondering if there's, any been, if there's been any amendments recommended um, regarding the Equality Bill, if um, a Conservative government was to get in regarding alterations. And also, does the um, by association link in um, to professional carers or PAs taking into consideration the personalisation agenda? Okay. A couple of specifics to the bill. Yes. Um, you're right that local authorities, perhaps PCTs too, I know local authorities better I suppose, do tend to take a sort of spatial view. They, they think, we think we count in terms of most deprived wards and so on. But nonetheless they have got the obligation now under clauses 1, 2 and 3 to look at socio-economic inequality more specifically uh, than that. And how you will ensure that carers are properly represented in that process, I think is going to be a, a, a lot to do with your own work, pointing out the characteristics of the caring community fall into, very often, the, the position of, of low socioeconomic opportunity. So I think that there probably needs to be a specific case made to ensure that you know people who are 
And this isn't, of course, every carer who's poorer, but it is obviously part and parcel, really, of the multiple commitments that tend to go with caring. We'll have to make the point that that is a community which is not spatially um, focused and yet does have the right to have strategic decisions taken with it to the fore. I mean, there, there will be other communities dispersed amongst the population generally. I mean, the elderly, I suppose, is one who are poorer than the bulk of the, the population, um, so that they will also have to uh, have attention drawn to them. So this, this new duty is going to have some complexity of, of perception in it, I think, and of thought in order to ensure that it's, it's delivered. Could I just, before I, I mention the issue the other issues that were, that were raised, that when, when Jane raised something about the, the sort of forgotten nature of, I think it was part and parcel of that sort of uh, mention, that I talked about the Equality Bill incidentally helping carers. I didn't say that in that way. What I said was, uh, and I mean, it is pretty clear, isn't it, that this associative discrimination is spot on carers. It is actually targeted at carers. But the other duties, which weren't particularly thought of for carers, like the socioeconomic one and the general equality duty, are bound, incidentally, also to help. That's all I meant to say. I certainly didn't mean to support your notion that the government was forgetting carers by saying that. Um, I'm not sure what um, was meant by are there any amendments recommended of the Tories uh, win? I mean, the Tories opposed the whole of the Equality Bill at second reading and tried to vote it down. Um, they don't want it. Um, they were content just to do them justice with the streamlining aspects of the bill, and that's a big part. It puts, you know, the race legislation, the discrimination against disability legislation and the gender stuff all into one bill and adds to it and it's a nice coherent structure now whereas you were looking at about 13 bits of legislation. They're happy with that but they didn't want any advance on equalities at all so they voted it down. They have in committee not been so opposed to it but they have voted down when, it, when they have tried to vote down the socio-economic duty they have tried to vote down all the stuff about gender pay. They have not tried to vote down the stuff about carers. They are supportive uh, of that completely. So um, what has to happen is the bill has to become law by April or it will fall completely, and that is before the general election. And so we will see it on the legislative, um, on the statute book. Um, certainly I've been on uh, a programme with Theresa May when she said that they won't repeal it if it's on the statute book by the time they get into office, if they were to win. But if that's as much as she can say, I'm not content that they're going to drive it. And this bill, of all bills, is one that won't work unless it's driven through society and people understand their new rights. So there you've got a fairly covert message. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's why it's got to be through by April, I guess. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much indeed. That's been a very lively session, and I hope you've all found it very informative.